0: I didn't mean to have a party. I just let Ronnie in with some pizzas. Son, I told you not to have anyone over while we were gone. You promised me that you wouldn't. And you broke your promise. Along with everything else in the house. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know about my study group. Oh, don't be a funny daddy, I'll be your study buddy. I'm about to embark on one of the great challenges of my scientific career. This work right here is going to change history. I think this is going to be our greatest mission.
1: I don't have time to study. I'll never get into Stanford.
0: I got big plans for you tonight. I got maps, I got charts. I'm going to see you through this because my credibility is on the line. It's at this point that you'll want to start taking notes. Welcome to The Sitcom Study, the podcast where we investigate the TV shows we grew up with and search for the truth and wisdom within the tropes and cliches. What kind of very special episode are we talking about today?
1: Today we're doing a very special episode where we throw a party because our parents are out of town.
0: Yes, the age-old trope of throwing a party when the parents leave town.
1: Which I found very interesting in our selections this week is that... 3 out of the 4 of them did not want to throw a party.
0: Well, <laughs> I think in general I found it uh very th- th- this was the most overlap we've had so far. I think this this has been sort of what what I what I had in mind I think uh when we came up with this this podcast idea because uh 3 out of these 4 shows have almost the same exact story like beat for beat the yep. same scenario same story. but they are they're very different and they're from very different perspectives and i think they're giving you very different messages
1: like slices of life and place and time for sure
0: oh yeah but yeah. also the just the perspective of like is it good or bad to have a party when your parents are out of town also like the true whole...
1: or what what life lessons can yeah. come out of it exactly yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but
0: before we get to that we we need to address this up front uh did you ever throw a party when your parents left town? Of
1: course I did. Okay. <laughs> did, did you, you get get ever
0: throw a party did, when your well, parents left okay. town? Did, did anything break and yes. you had to fix it?
1: Yes, many things. So we broke. Um, yeah. So, so answer your first question. Yes, we got caught um and did the
0: parents come home early like in all no, those ones no the
1: parents did not come home early The parents came home right on schedule and saw the uh quick fixes to the things that had been broken and messed up um so we got into a pillow fight and one of this, uh, one of the like, what are those things called? The little, the the pieces of a ceiling fan, like the blades. The, thank you. The, I was like the wings. What are those things called? One of the blades on the ceiling fan got knocked during the pillow fight and flew off, and so I had to reattach so, that. So, far, so
0: you're doing the kind of stuff that yeah. I thought it was unrealistic for these shows to portray. I thought that they were making this kind of stuff up because they didn't want to deal with drugs and alcohol and then no kids would <laughs> no. actually do stuff like this. But we'll get to that. Okay. No, you broke so the my, yeah. Can.
1: My first party that I threw when my parents were out of town, because I did multiple, but the first one that I threw when my parents were out of town, there was no drinking. I was a sophomore in high school and it was kind of before my group of friends had really gotten into that. I think one of the guys who came over brought like four wine coolers. Remember the Bartles and James yeah, that has yes, like sure. the four, the pack of four wine coolers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of my friends smoked at that time. So, the other thing that happened was the carpeting, that, that outdoor carpeting on the porch. Um, we had a screened in porch and uh, on the back of the house. Okay, so and no so, the drinking, outdoor, but smoking. but smoking. But so, like the outdoor carpeting on the porch, everybody wasn't super careful in using ashtrays as they should. So, there were some burn marks from mm. cigarette ash. And okay. that's how I got caught.
0: Yeah. We never did that. We did. Uh, My friend Dennis and I in sixth grade wanted to have our first like boy girl party and we wanted to have it without our parents. So we just asked them if they would like leave the night that we were going to have the party. And my dad looked at my mom and said, this is what they were talking about in that meeting we went to. So they must've had like a meeting with the parents (laughs) around the time that kids were starting to get to the age where they start messing around with with bad stuff and told them, like, if your kids want to to have a party and they, they tell you to leave, don't do it. So, yeah, they were like, no, we're not going to do that. We'll, we'll, you know, make ourselves scarce and and try to avoid embarrassing you. But you can't just, like, rent out our house to have a party. <laughs>
1: just have a party. <laughs> and this is what they were talking about in our PTA meeting. Yeah, <laughs> We were learning how to be parents.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we did. We had our first boy-girl party, uh, and our parents were just sitting awkwardly in the side kitchen room or whatever. So we're bringing our, our separate uh, but equally valuable uh perspectives to this yes uh, so-
1: and another one of the tropes of of these parties that plays out in the shows a hundred percent happened to me so when we get to that i'll talk okay. to you about that as well
0: well why don't you tell them what are the episodes we watched?
1: all right so the episodes that we watched this week were family matters episode um sorry season one episode 16 the party mm-hmm. Saved by the Bell. Now, this one's a little weird, because, and you can explain Let's this. just get
0: this out of the way right now. <laughs> Jake For whenever explains. we talk I'm a big Saved by the Bell head. Any schoolboy knows that the first season of Saved by the Bell was uh, Good Morning, Miss Bliss. And then they changed the name. They took him from Indiana to California. They rejiggered the whole show. Uh, so some streaming services and information sources consider Miss Bliss its own thing and some consider it the first season of saved by the bell so a lot of times you say you know you go to look up an episode they say it's season 2 it's really season 3 or vice versa or
1: vice versa so this is um saved by the bell season 2 episode 5 what's the title of this episode jay house party house
0: party we have the party and house party the
1: party and house party and then we have the wonder years a little bit later on in the wonder years this is season 5 episode 20 the lost weekend and finally, we're rounding it out with another period piece, That 70s Show. And this is season one, episode six, The Keg.
0: So a lot of 90s here in terms of when the shows came out. Right. These these first two, Family Matters and Saved by the Bell, are almost contemporaneous. Um, yeah, they
1: they basically occurred within the same 12 months. One was in 89, one was in 90, but they were super... No, they were both in 90 or something like that.
0: So we're getting with these first two. We're getting on the podcast here our first taste of Urkel, our first taste of Screech. Yes. We're getting a lot oh, of we're getting wacky, the nerds for early sure. 90s nerds.
1: And then we have the period pieces. We have yes. the Wonder Years and that 70s show, which um, of course throw back to the nostalgia era. What's interesting about both that 70s show and the Wonder Years is that they too could be contemporaneous. You have the parents in both of those shows. Uh, the Wonder Years episode was set in 1972. That 70s oh, wow. show episode was set in 1976. And the older sisters of both of the main characters in the Wonder Years in that 70s show are around the same age. The parents, though, Red Foreman and uh, the dad from the Wonder Years, whose Mm -hmm. name I don't remember, have that same sort of gruff. Oh,
0: definitely. uh,
1: I fought in the Korean War. Nobody cared what I did. Kind of lost generation. Yeah. They're
0: they're how a whole generation imagines their dad. He sat in an armchair. He didn't say much. We never really knew what he was thinking. But yeah, before we get to those family matters, let's dig in. Dig in. Uh, This episode begins with uh, Eddie, the the son, watching Every Little Step You Take by Bobby Brown (laughs) on a television set. It's super conspicuous because these shows, including this same episode, always used this generic Muzak garbage whenever they wanted to have music. They couldn't afford real music. So they obviously must have had some deal. They had some partnership with, with because you know, they
1: even showed the video.
0: Right. Whatever record label he's on or something, they were doing the same parent company or whatever, some cross promotional thing. Um, but uh, yeah.
1: so, uh, this moment of black excellence brought to you by,
0: yeah. So, so Eddie's watching uh, uh, Bobby Brown, and Steve Urkel comes in, gets applause and laughter just by walking in, right? Yes. So, this is season one season of season one, Matters. but already
1: he has established himself as the character to watch. Totally. They they launch the episode. With not only the Bobby Brown music, but then Urkel coming in and getting in Eddie's face and being like, "I called Laura six
0: times." Yeah, he's doing his wacky Urkel dancing. There's all this uh, slapstick stuff where Eddie throws him out of the house, but he somehow comes back in through the through the other door, and that's it. And and that's just its own sort of self-contained thing. And then we get the theme sequence uh, that is is amazing. Is is just so cheesy and lame, like just the, the smiles to the camera, the the song that is like exactly the same song as the Full House song. <laughs> I to you know. say,
1: when I try to sing the Family Matters song in my head, it turns into the Full House song.
0: Yeah. And then, and then we get the proper episode. And so it's all about, uh, as, as several of these are, the parents have a trip. Right. right, that's taking them out of town.
1: It's a wedding in multiple episodes, right? Mm-hmm. It's some sort of wedding or birthday party. This one is uh, uh the dad Carl, his older brother Darren or Daryl, is turning 40, mm-hmm. and so they're driving to Sheboygan for the birthday party,
0: yes. And uh, there, so we get this classic sort of narrative device that I always find so ridiculous, which is they're like they're sort of considering all of this as though for the first time as they're about to walk out the door. You know, Carl is going like... Are the kids really ready to to be home alone? That you did by themselves. Well, it's you know? the last
1: minute cold feet. It's that we made this yeah. decision. I, you know, my my wife is right because the the mom Harriet has been you know advocating for this apparently prior to the scene happening. And Carl's like, "Are we sure?" And and the mom's like, "Yes, absolutely. You know, Eddie's a good kid. Our kids are good. It's going to be fine.
0: You know." Yeah. So it's go. it's very much a premeditated. Thing, that like this, this they have decided they're going to leave town. They're going to leave the kids on their own. Their rule is no friends. Yes, not just no parties, no friends yeah, in the house because
1: they know what it can turn into. Because they're smart parents. No friends in the house, but the thing that I thought was so cute is that following up and they never made mention of this. They just let it go. Right? So like following up on this conversation that you and I were just talking about, about the last minute cold feet, they walk into the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Eddie is in full apron. Like elbow deep in a meatloaf, making meatloaf and potatoes and green beans. He's gone full domestic. He's going to, he is already establishing himself as like, I'm going to take care of these kids while I'm gone. But the one thing that I thought was interesting is that they didn't trust him with the baby.
0: Yeah, which uh, to be honest, makes sense because if they're, if they're on the fence about whether or not they can take care of themselves and each other, you don't want to throw in the baby and also it's the baby isn't their sibling. So presumably they maybe don't have as much experience raising the baby as if there was like their little baby brother or something. Yeah,
1: it's their, their cousin.
0: Right. So, uh, yeah, Aunt Rachel is uh, taking the baby with her to leave at a babysitter. And uh, yeah, they're not. To me, that seemed harsh. No friends. Um but
1: yeah, you know, I, I, I thought that tracked, I think. Uh, and I will draw from my own experiences. My parents told me the same thing when I was in high school and they were going out of town for I think it was a week or something. And I was I had a job. And that's why I was able to stay home because I, I hadn't gotten off work. And so I got to stay home and my neighbor was going to check in on me. And but the point was and I was supposed to sleep over at my neighbor's house, which I did most nights. But there were no friends, no friends allowed. I could go out. Like I could yeah. go to places and, you know, have like do my normal social events out with my friends, but I could not have any friends over. And that made sure. sense to me.
0: But yeah, so the that's all fine, except Eddie can't cook and his meatloaf is burned and not edible. And so Rodney shows up.
1: Right. The right. one friend that they said, especially not him, he shows up with pizza on yeah. cue when yeah. the
0: burnt meat comes out. And so you get all all these shows follow this sort of classic exponential pattern of how a party gets out of control, right? It right. always starts with one friend coming over sort of semi-voluntarily, like sort right. of reluctantly letting in the one person. And then that leads to a few more and there's always that sort of moment of like should we or shouldn't we uh, well I it'll guess be a okay. few
1: more is okay right. and then and there's then always
0: the moment where critical ding moments. dong who's that oh it's every Tom, Dick and Harry in town <laughs> with the boombox
1: and yeah. beer and all the things now
0: somewhere in the middle there Uh, After Rodney, but before this onslaught of people, we get, uh, I guess, one of Laura's friends, a girl shows up with the new Janet Jackson video on cassette, Mm -hmm. right? What happened there? I don't. I just wrote down she has, quote, the new Janet Jackson video on a VHS cassette, which I don't remember being a thing that anybody did.
1: Anybody did. She recorded it off of VH1. She wanted to watch it with her friend. She was annoyed that her friend was having the biggest party in town and didn't tell her. So what happened in between those two things was – Eddie says, okay, Rodney, come on in. And Rodney's like, great. Well, but also I met these two people at the pizza parlor. So I invited them. Eddie's like, no way. And then the door opens and it's two good looking girls. So of course he's like, okay, I'll let them in. His sisters are like, we're going to tell on you. And he's like, "Uh, would you rather eat that? Or would you rather have pizza? And they're like, "Okay, I guess we won't yeah.
0: tell." Was this younger sister even on the show for the entire duration of it? Because I have no, no memory of she her. She
1: left at some point. I, you know, she's another one of these like tragedies of childhood stardom. Later on, she was like into drugs and ended up doing porn and that kind of thing.
0: That sucks. I, think, yeah. I, I don't know, but you just get the impression that it's one of these things. They just have too many characters exactly. at the start. And they go, oh, here's our ideas for this one and this one and this one. And the next thing you know, everyone loves Urkel. Everything's about that. No one cares about the girl. She's too old for baby stories. She's too young for teenager stories. And so it's like they have nothing to do with her.
1: Exactly. All right.
0: So we have uh, we have the standard escalation that we talked about. One friend, several friends, complete invasion
1: when the invasion is going on and Eddie's trying to like roam around with his little dust buster and picking yeah. up popcorn. there's They keep going back to this scene in the living room where everybody's dancing sort of and there there's a guy right in the very front of the dancing crowd holding a bowl of popcorn that he is supposed to be eating. There's popcorn all over the floor and his direction was to sort of sneakily drop popcorn on the ground as he's dancing well what he did with that stage direction was to take handfuls of popcorn throw it on the ground and then put one piece of popcorn in his mouth i could not stop watching
0: it. yeah no the background actors are uniformly ridiculous
1: ridiculous but anyway
0: yeah the party's out of control They're making a mess. Uh, And again, this is what I was skeptical about, but apparently this is the kind of thing that went down at your parties. They don't want to show on this uh, ABC family, you know, in the world of this show, they don't want to acknowledge the existence of drugs, alcohol, or sex. So what goes wrong when you have a party? You make a mess and you break things, right? Right. So...
1: So they were playing football. There were two rival high schools at the party, uh football teams in the letterman jackets. And uh yeah, they decide to play football using in the kitchen, in the kitchen using the gravy boat.
0: Yeah. And so this, you know, classic Which, uh by debauchery the way is
1: ridiculous. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it's the it just it doesn't even look fun. And it doesn't, like, the idea that every single person in that room was not completely aware that that this was about to happen is is preposterous. They do, like, the hut-hut hike thing (laughs) and just throw the gravy boat directly through through the window. window.
1: So, but... So I guess prior to that, it was prior to that, that Steve Urkel tries to break up this. There was like this argument between the two of the, of the two teams. Right. And um, and so then he gets shuffled away um, for, a you know, hidden somewhere for later comedic effect. He, he gets carried off by a bunch of football players and and is says like leans back over to Laura and is like, I'll call you.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, this isn't the first time in these shows that we're going to see this dilemma. Uh, there is now, you know, sort of ir- irrevocable evidence that this party took place there's damage Um, yeah
1: well there's the damage for sure because there's the broken there's the broken gravy boat and the broken window in the kitchen and then there's popcorn and like your favorite word detritus all over the lots of detritus all over the living room and they're trying to clean up so then the the other story is what's happening with the parents um the aunt and the grandma so Carl has decided to take a shortcut, and of course the shortcut doesn't work. There's lots of comedic effect of the uh, using the word sheboygan, which is funny. (laughs) And um, yeah, so they get stuck. They need to call a tow truck. The car won't start. They're out in the middle of nowhere. They miss the party. The tow truck company tows them and then brings them home. So they, surprise, come home early while the party is going on.
0: Yeah, so this is a straight-up caught red-handed situation. They walk in, party over, everybody get out of here. And this is where Carl, in my opinion, delivers just like the straight-up message of the episode. He says, we don't make up rules for our health, right? He's saying, you know, the, the sentiment that I think this show is very much trying to instill, you might think that your parents are mean or lame or they don't want you to have fun, but the truth is that you kids... Just don't know what you're doing and you're going to break things and cause all kinds of trouble if you don't listen. And so, uh, you know, the rules are there for a reason, follow the rules Do what your parents say.
1: (laughs) Do what your parents say. Well, and I think it's a little bit more that like you kids don't know what you're doing, right? It's that there are outcomes that you can't imagine yet. Mm -hmm. And one of those outcomes is you have a whole bunch of strangers in your home and you don't know there's, there's more of them than there are of you and you don't know what to do about it. But watching this as a kid, the message that I a hundred percent got was, uh, be smarter about the parties that you throw Like absolutely throw a party Don't invite idiots that are going to play football With a gravy boat because they're stupid And uh, yeah, I did not learn from this show Not to throw a party
0: Sure, fair <laughs> enough But uh, yeah, I feel like that's that's the message So that brings us to Saved by the Bell
1: So this episode of Saved by the Bell um, Actually happens basically within the same year as the, uh, as the Family Matters episode The Family Matters episode is from February 2nd 1990 and the saved by the bell episode house party is from October 6th 1990 yes
0: so equally ridiculous but different uh completely different vibe within seconds of this starting it's it's just so clear like oh right saved by the bell is on its own wavelength uh you know it it was made for Saturday mornings this was not. If if Family Matters and Full House were more like this is a show for the whole family, Saved by the Bell is like no. This is just for kids. This is this is going to be unbearable to anyone over the age of twelve. You know the whole tone of the show is like like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, yes, right? Just so ridiculous, dopey. Uh, so so who's who's got the parents leaving this time?
1: So this time, Screech's parents are going out of town. His mom, Um,
0: right? Because we never even really meet his dad.
1: Right. Dad, um, we hear about dad being in the car, and we hear a horn honking, and Screech is like, Mom, dad's going crazy. Let's go. And then she takes 20 more minutes to say goodbye.
0: (laughs) Well, this mom is such a bizarre creation. First of all, I think, if I'm not mistaken... I think this lady comes back maybe in one of the like TV movies they did down the road. Oh. But this is basically her only. I was appearance. gonna say, yeah.
1: The internet says this is her only appearance.
0: Yeah, you don't get a lot of Screech's mom or Screech's house or anything uh, in the series. So <laughs> parents, really? No, it's it's they're famously inconsistent with that. There will be mm-hmm. an episode all about Zach's dad. And you don't get anything about his mom. And then a couple years later, you'll get an episode with his mom and they don't acknowledge his dad's. It's, it's all over the place. But they decide, now is our chance to give Screech a mom. What's she going to be like? This character is completely incoherent to me because- She's um,
1: obsessed with Elvis. Yeah. She's They're a wacky... going to Graceland for their anniversary. Right.
0: That's her thing. She's into Elvis. Everything is about Elvis. Their whole house is like a shrine to Elvis. Keep in mind- Screech, he's got a lot of eccentricities that we've found out about so far over the course of Saved by the Bell. There has never been a mention that he comes from a household that is devoted to Elvis. Elvis
1: likes to face the kitchen so that he can watch the mom cooking. That's
0: what he likes. uh, The mom is like this wacky free spirit, and she's sort of characterized in this very kind of flighty, like... uh, you know, just just sort of wackadoo way. And yet at the same time, she's like, oh, before I go, here's a list of hundreds of rules. A hundred
1: and some 37. Well, there's at least 137 because that's he breaks rule number 137.
0: Yeah. So I this made no sense to me. Uh, and that—that's kind of what I mean by the like, like it's as though it was written by children.
1: Wait a minute, you're saying a person can't be free-spirited and also have rules for their kids?
0: No, oh, in real life, of course, they can be. But somehow, to me, that contradiction didn't strike me as oh, she's just a nuanced and very well thought out character, and that's why she has these different sides. I just thought
1: she was silly. Yes, silly. She's silly, and she is like, but she's silly, like, um, like an obsessed mom. She's like, oh my little Samuel, I love you so much. Kiss, 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 and don't you make sure, make sure, you know, make sure you take care of my Elvis. He's got. They've got this Elvis statue that she's obsessed with, and then their dog's named Hound Dog. And so, yeah, you know, he's got to watch the dog. He's got to make sure not to break this statue. And uh, then she leaves.
0: Yeah. And so this is a little bit different because we don't go right to party, right? What we have first is just the boy, his his male friends coming over, which is fine, right? Unlike the Winslow household. Screech is is allowed to have a few friends over, and they go full risky business.
1: Yes, only boys. Like, no girls is one of the... No parties and no girls. Right,
0: but this is Saved by the Bell, so... Uh, they, the, uh, everyone's go to like good time idea is surveillance, right? Is spying on your friends of the opposite sex. Let's go see what
1: the boys are doing at Screech's house while his parents are away and they were risky businessing.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we, we get the, the state, you know, they're, they're dressed up in goofy sunglasses and whatnot. This, this is Screech, Zach and Slater are all goofing around in Screech's house You know, they've got music on, they're they're playing the guitar on the broomstick and whatnot. But the girls, and mind you, this is the this normal. This is cast such of girls.
1: a funny shot. Oh, yeah, because this, we've been introduced to Tori right. Spelly. Right.
0: Violet Bickerstaff, who's a recurring character. This is Screech's nerdy girlfriend. But
1: She's, at this point, not Screech's nerdy girlfriend. This is her first appearance. And so she just is a nerdy girl who's dating this other nerdy guy. Completely who's a ridiculous total character.
0: dick. Yeah. So so just to back up for a second, we've got, you know, the the normal cast right like we said zach slater and screech and then we have the girls um kelly jesse and lisa and then we have sort of off to the side uh that we're sort of observing during their school day we have violet bickerstaff the nerdy sort of mild-mannered girl and maxwell nerdstrom who is her boyfriend he's a nerd but Unlike Screech, who is a dopey, lovable, like suspenders wearing nerd, this guy is a rich tycoon nerd. Nerd.
1: Right. We find out he's the richest guy in school and he's kind of a dick. Like, not kind of. He's a straight up oh, dick. Utterly he's like
0: misogynist.
1: Snapping at um like snapping his fingers at Tory spelling and being like
0: violet here. He says he says I forget what he says. I don't want you hanging out with any hunk but me.
1: He's a-, a weasel times 7,000. He's gross. And Violet is just this sweet girl who really thinks that, you know, Samuel or Screech is so cute and wants right. to talk not to him.
0: Only, not only does she personally think he's cute, she is under the impression that he is like... The Mac Daddy of Bayside, because she says, Oh, Samuel Powers could get any girl he wants. Yeah, and the other girl.
1: He is a nerd, but he hangs out with the cool kids.
0: But so interestingly, she breaks up with Maxwell off camera. Right. Right. We get one scene where we establish she's got this horrible boyfriend. The next scene. Uh, she's, she's kicked him to the curb and she's joined our, our girls, our regular cast group, Kelly and Lisa and Jesse. Yeah, The
1: girls say, let's help Violet. And then they like, you know, again, off camera, somehow like build her up. She goes and breaks up with him. They were going to go to the movies, but then they say, let's go spy on the boys. Right.
0: It'll be more fun to spy on the boys. And so, uh, so that catches up to, yeah, a risky business scene where the boys are goofing around in the house. And then the girls, they're not spying through the window or something. They are all in the house. They're
1: in the kitchen. They're standing in the kitchen door watching the boys who are in the living room. And we have these two like reversal shots that are looking back at these girls just like standing and pointing and like laughing as though the guys wouldn't see them literally in the next room. It's so weird. It's it's like such a weird shot.
0: But so the girls laugh at the boys. The jig is up. Ha ha. We've been here the whole time. We've been watching you. How much
1: of that did you see?
0: Yeah. (laughs) But here's the thing. That's not even the party. So now we've got the whole cast plus Violet in Screech's house. Right. That would still be fine. Right.
1: Well, not according to the rules. That's why Screech is upset because he's like, we've already broken rule number 136. We have girls in the house.
0: Okay. So they've broken the rule about girls, Mm -hmm. but it's still not a party. But no. then, through some just sort of miscellaneous hijinks, they were right?
1: dancing. They're being okay. silly and dancing. All right. The
0: girls were dancing, making fun of the boys. Right. right. They were doing their impression this is you. This is you. Right. And then Jesse takes uh, Violet by the hands and they start doing like a swing dancing thing and they knock over the irreplaceable uh, bust of Elvis, who always has to face due east so we can watch the mom cook in the kitchen. Creepy. They've broken the Elvis statue. Just like the gravy boat from Family Matters. That's right. What are we gonna do?
1: Oh no. And
0: so we're still not at the party.
1: No, because we're gonna ask the richest guy in school who Violet just broke up with, if he will if he they can have two hundred and fifty dollars because Lisa goes on like basically they're like, Oh, we don't know what to how we gotta find the statue, we gotta buy another one. Lisa finds it, it's two hundred and fifty dollars. Where are we gonna get two hundred and fifty dollars? Now. This is the part that drove me nuts, right? Because in the Saved by the Bell universe, Lisa is rich, Zach is rich, and we find out in later episodes that Violet is
0: rich. They're basically all well-off except Kelly.
1: So all of them could have, you know, asked their parents or, like, pooled money together and gotten this money together. And instead, they auction jesse off to because so yeah well we're
0: not we're not even there we're not even right well they said
1: that we need to raise 250 dollars, so we're going to ask the richest guy in school
0: yeah i will say a lot of saved by the bell storylines involve fundraising of some kind they're (laughs) always they're always in some kind of trouble that will go away if they can just get a few hundred bucks and you're right uh, I think we're just supposed to accept. I think again, this this has this sort of for kids, by right. kids exactly. logic, logic where you're just supposed to accept, like, well, I don't have $200. How can I get money? How that? can I get
1: money? And I can't tell my parents.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so you just, you just accept that they don't have access to money. I was incredulous that prior to the internet and eBay and everything, that they could so easily find an exact replacement for this beloved Elvis statue. Because it's statue. Lisa.
1: She knows shopping. That's her whole thing.
0: So Lisa uses her shopping skills to find an identical Elvis statue. They need to raise some money. So their first plan is let's get it through Maxwell Nordstrom by way of poker right? Let's challenge him to a poker game. That's right. That's right. poker
1: game did come first. Yeah.
0: This, this was hard to watch in the way that any gambling scene is hard to watch. If you've ever seen white men can't jump or rounders, it's just so painful.
1: Well, okay. So also this is one of two poker scenes we get on in the shows this week. That's true. And I, Was this something, did you guys get together and play poker when you were in high school? Like, is this a normal thing?
0: I would say, well, the two, the two, the poker game we're going to get later in the wonder years is very different. That's in the context of it's something that guys do for bonding. In this case, this is like, no, this is a way that we can like sort of legitimately You know, uh, trick him. Yeah, but they had no
1: scheme to cheat.
0: Well, exactly. That's the thing. There is no scheme. It's just like, oh, Zach is good at everything. Maxwell is lame. If we challenge him to poker, we'll win.
1: Well, and they had they had all of them playing him. So, like everybody was playing. So maybe they thought they could pool their winnings. But if you had enough to put in the pot in the first place, you could pull your winnings. That's
0: true. That's true. So here's the thing: they don't have enough. So. Really quickly, uh, it's down to Zach and Maxwell. Maxwell's wearing his little visor thing to show that he's like a serious Yeah, he's a card shark. And first of all, no one involved with this show has ever played poker. There is no uh, concept of secrecy or trying to maintain any sense of like, oh, let's not let him know what's happening.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's down to the two of them. Zach holds his hand out so the entire rest of the cast can see And Bet's big. And they're like, wait, should you do that? And he's like, look, it's a can't-lose situation.
0: Zach is telling everybody, including Maxwell, I have an unbeatable hand I can't lose. Now, you could say, well, maybe that's part of his strategy, but it's sort of a self-defeating thing. If he truly did have what we in the biz call the nuts, right? The unbeatable hand in (laughs) poker, you wouldn't want the guy to know, right? Alternatively, if you were bluffing if you were if you didn't really have it but you wanted him to think you would have it it's just the most ridiculous attempt at bluffing to go around the room and show everybody your hand look
1: what i got it's unbeatable
0: but but zach is like i have a hand that cannot lose we need maxwell to put all of his chips in the pot we don't have enough to match him so we're gonna bet screech's dog hound dog right? We've already broken his priceless bust, right? So now in order to raise the money, we're going to gamble literally the, dog the only thing that is more valuable to his mom. What could possibly go wrong?
1: And Screech and his family, who bets their friend's dog?
0: Yeah. And who would even want to win that in a poker game? Like It's just so bizarre. And of course, uh, When it finally, when it comes time to show their hands, Zach's quote unquote unbeatable hand was four queens and Max has four kings.
1: So out Maxwell goes with the dog and everyone's like, oh no, now what do we do? So the answer is we're going to go shake him down. So they go to shake him down and he's. um,
0: He's installed anti-bully technology against Slater.
1: Yes, he's installed anti-bullying technology. He's got like this Apple Watch kind of thing from the 80s that's huge that uh, has a bully alarm on it. But is this before or after Screech has the dream sequence where his mom is dead?
0: We were just going to get to that. So (laughs) Saved by the Bell, again, they love to do these little fantasy sequences with the uh, the pink fuzzy border around the screen. And so, yeah, they have his mom come in as an angel.
1: Wait, but so his mom comes in as an angel and Mr. Belding comes in as, as Elvis.
0: Because we haven't had Belding in the episode.
1: In the right. episode, except for in that one scene when the bully alarm goes off. They are both wearing wings. Yeah. Right? But to show that they're angels, they are also both flapping their yes. arms it's as so they stupid. walk
0: around. And I, I was... Watching that I was just dying to know cuz they look ridiculous obviously. Uh oh, thanks, you know ridiculous. they're they're flapping their arms sort of scurrying back and forth uh onto the set. And I'm just wondering like is is it a case of these actors were just so goofy and ribald that they're like let me flap my wings that'll be fun or was it the director going hey you guys Fla- flap your yeah, your hands, give even a though more
1: energy in that. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then these poor people had to had to do that. I oh, don't know. It
1: was so ridiculous. Because
0: Belding looked especially. Reluctant when he had to do his little uh, arm flapping thing on the way out, you could see him kind of look to the camera like, yeah, I know. It's, he it's
1: did. Stupid. He did almost like a little T-Rex sparkle fingers is what he did. Yeah. He was like, OK, here I go. But Anyway, so they, they try to shake down Maxwell. Maxwell's like, no, but you can get me a date with legs, which we're all just supposed to assume that that means Jesse and not Violet. Even though he hadn't called her legs yet in that episode, that's
0: Jesse's thing. She's tall.
1: She's tall. So they say, okay, we're going to get you a date with legs. Um, So, and then in order to raise the money, because the now the date is to get the dog back. So not only do they have
0: multiple problems, they've got to
1: get the dog back and they've got to get money. So here's where the party finally comes in, which they say we can charge a cover.
0: Yeah. Charge two dollars a head yep. for people to come to a party at Screech's house. That party will also be the site of Maxwell's date with Jesse, uh, and in return, and it will
1: all end by ten o'clock so we can get the dog back.
0: Yeah, That's and so this this is like a straight up ransom situation where he's like, I will not give this dog back until the date is complete.
1: So in order to raise the amount of money that they need, they have to invite 125 people over to Screech's house. That is a huge party. $2 a head is a ridiculous amount.
0: But I guess they achieve that, right? Because they do replace it. They achieve that
1: before 10 o'clock, although there's absolutely not 125 people in that house um, from what you can see. And if you had that many people in that house, there would be more things broken.
0: Yeah, I guess we're just supposed to assume there's, you know, all the bedrooms and all the side rooms and stuff are just bursting with people. But yeah, it, it is. It's a party. Uh, the, also,
1: a non-alcoholic party.
0: Yes, this is another show that's not going to really acknowledge the existence of drugs or alcohol. Jesse shows up with Maxwell Nordstrom and these douchebags Make fun of her for being on a date with him when they made her do it. They you, you can't ask one of your friends to do this huge favor and go on a date with this vile guy so that you could get your friend's dog back. And then when she shows up, go, Hey, how's a date going with Maxwell? Huh? Huh? What are you gonna get married? Huh? Huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's not good.
0: So (laughs) we have another parent coming home early. Right. Yes.
1: So then the mom comes in in the middle of the party and um, everybody freaks out. Oh, no. What are we going to do? And then, oh, Zach, you know, of course, the mom came in after they'd already raised all the money. So they were good. They were going to be able to, Lisa left. To go buy the other statue because
0: right. the, the statue is replaced within minutes, basically Wait. of reaching their fundraising. Well, goal.
1: Well, they so they reach their fundraising goal and then immediately turn to Maxwell and they're like, "Okay, well, date's over. You know, bring the dog." And they were, it, you know, it's ten o'clock. So Lisa leaves just before ten p.m. to go get this statue. Um, so she comes back in. Uh, uh no, it's Slater that comes back in. Slater goes with Lisa, right? Cuz Slater comes back in with the Elvis after the mom has come home. So mom comes home, sees the party is like, "Hey, what's going on here?" Slater comes in, trips over mom's suitcase. Right. The Elvis statue goes flying One through the final moment of suspense. Zach leaps and catches it midair, lands behind the sofa, stands up, sets it on the on the um, pedestal that had been empty the, this whole time, and then turns around and is like, "It's a party for you!" and gives a snap and downfalls a happy anniversary banner. Yes. He winks at the camera. Episode over.
0: Yes, classic. Uh, Zach's schemes often involve. Things that are sort of like folded up inside like (laughs) panels and things. A sign unrolling. Yeah, exactly. So he can just like click a little thing and something unfurls and the whole sort of scenery changes.
1: Yes. In fact, it was the girl... Who you pointed out earlier in the episode, when we were watching it, the extra who was standing in the back, staring at the Mm Zack and Slater conversation and not dancing, but just like fully staring at the conversation that was happening. That was the girl who reached behind the wall and pulled the invisible string. So
0: this was not, we as the audience were not privy (laughs) to any of this, but apparently... All the while that they were doing all this other scheming. This girl
1: was just waiting for her signal. <laughs>
0: Zach had also made arrangements with this girl to know, to to go. So in addition to everything else, in the event that uh, Screech's mom comes home early, we need to make this look like an anniversary party. So we're going to have like a speakeasy style rig where we can just change things with like the flip of a switch. What got me was if you're not allowed to have a party, then... An anniversary party is still against the rules.
1: And also, mom came home early. So why are you throwing the anniversary party early?
0: Mom walks in, sees a house full of 175 teenagers, and is immediately fine with it when she is told it's a party for your anniversary. To the husband that we have not seen. He must still be parking the car. Yeah. Who knows? So in contrast to Family Matters, this... Is, I think, very much giving the message that you said you took from the last show, which is if you're going to have a party when your parents are out of town, just be good at it and have a plan. Yeah. You know, if they come home early, make sure you have some sort of ruse uh, ready to go.
1: Have really dumb parents. That's the that's the moral of that story. Yeah,
0: you could just yeah, you could see how the perspective is completely different. This one is very much um aren't parents lame doesn't it stink it's when so they don't easy want you it's to pull
1: one over on them
0: yeah exactly okay well i guess that's going to bring us to the wonder years
1: so wonder years this is um <laughs> this is episode or sorry this is season 5 episode 20 the lost weekend and we have yet another entry in the Party that gets out of hand accidentally because friends invite friends who invite friends, and oh, now the party's out of control.
0: Yeah, and even before that, we get the setup is very similar to family matters, mm-hmm. right? We have parents packing up, making their last arrangements, getting ready to leave town. Where, where are these parents going?
1: I think these parents were going to a wedding, um, some type of thing, and they were going to be gone for the weekend. It wasn't just going to be the one night or whatever, as in family matters, this was going to be the full weekend. um, And no one's in charge. It's just the two boys. At this point in the series, the sister, I think, is already has already yes. moved on or married or something. But yeah, so it's just the two boys. And uh, so it's Kevin and Wayne, his older brother, who's kind of a loser, and they are to fend for themselves.
0: Yeah, and that's... That is the emphasis from the start, because, of course, this is the Wonder Years. So we have Daniel Stern uh, narrating the whole time. And the episode doesn't begin with, let me tell you about the time my parents left and I had a party. He's talking all about the brother, right? Right. From the start, he's saying. How
1: different they are and how he's such a slob and he never does anything. they don't get along.
0: And I have to say, this guy that plays Wayne, God bless him they do such a good job of making this character contemptible Yes, that I fucking hate this guy. And like, it's funny because gross. It's, and it, it is a subtle, a relatively subtle characterization in the sense that like, there's nothing about the way that he looks or the sound of his voice, but there is, but it's not something that jumps out at you. You don't look at that guy. If you didn't know him from the wonder years, you wouldn't go like, Oh my God, I guess he's going to have to play the obnoxious brother his whole life. You know, there's nothing. He seems normal, but he just, after after minutes, you know, with Second. this character, yeah. yeah, you're just like, oh, God, I can't stand this kid.
1: I mean, the opening scene is he's got who's drool running out of his mouth and it's getting all over the bathroom. And he, keep, oh, it was just gross. Like I, I totally, and they, you know, they have to share this bathroom. And I, I felt all of the agony of Kevin yeah. in that moment of like the, my brother, this is my brother and he's a loser and he's gross.
0: Right. And so the brother at this point is, uh, Pretty independent in the sense that he can he can drive and he's kind of coming in and out and doing right. his own he's thing. He's a little
1: bit older, so he right. drives. Kevin doesn't yet drive.
0: Right, and and he's got his own sort of social scene that he's constantly like dipping in and out of. Yeah. And they've been left chores to do. Mm-hmm. Right, if Scree- right. Screech has the list of rules, I think Kevin and um, Wayne, Kevin and Wayne, don't have rules per se. I think there's there's a sort of general there's understood. The un- yeah,
1: it's the unspoken like. Yeah, don't
0: go crazy. Don't burn the house down. But they're not so much obsessed with rules. They're obsessed with chores, their family. Uh, So Kevin is like, we have this set of uh, chores we need to do. And Wayne is just like, well, I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to add washing my car to the list of chores for you to do. Because that he he's got this like Donald Trump esque invincibility to him, where he's just like nope. He just
1: pieces out. He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna go hang out with my friends. I'm not gonna be here with you guys. Oh, and by the way, Dad, I need some money. And Dad Dad gives it to him. The dad gives it to him. Says, I only have a twenty. Which I was like, whoa, what year is this? He only has a twenty. So yeah, he's like, so I you know split it between you and Kevin. And then of course Wayne doesn't. He takes off with the twenty and leaves Kevin to his own devices who goes to school for the day because he's a good kid and uh, is sitting at lunch talking with his friends and his friends are like, well, we should, you've got the house to yourself. Like nobody's there. Let's do something.
0: Yeah. What can we do here? So they, they end up playing poker.
1: Yeah. Well, they sort of peer pressure him into it. Right. Kevin is like, no, it's fine. I don't don't really want to do anything. I've got all these chores to do. Like Wayne's being a jerk. Like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And everything is good. Like, I mean, he kind of pushes back on his friends. And they're kind of like, all right, well, whatever. If you want to be lame about it. And then Paul comes to his defense. And Paul is like, look, guys, if Kevin says he doesn't want to, by the way, we get – this is a Paul no glasses episode. Um, This is one episode after Paul has lost his virginity in the world of the Wonder Years. So Paul looking very – um Neville Longbottom glow upy in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> he good. looks good. Anyway, but so he comes to Kevin's defense and he's like, look, if Kevin wants to do what his parents are said to do and be responsible, we should let him. And Kevin's like, oh, I didn't see that. And then now is like, well, I guess we could have like a poker night or something. Right. So he doesn't even want to have his guy friends over.
0: So and he poker- gets browbeat into that. Yeah. Poker is the sort of compromise. Right. And I have to say, just looking at this scene of them playing poker, that seemed so cozy and pleasant to me. And it's portrayed, they use the phrase rock bottom. They right? were
1: so bored. That's now granted, they they're so boring. Yeah, That's I guess they they're said.
0: young, horny teenagers. This this isn't how they want to be spending their Friday night. But to me, it looked pretty ideal. Uh, <laughs> but was... they're like, this is lame. We need we need, uh, we need, need well, some it's, tail.
1: It's the friend Chuck, right? It's the friend Chuck who, who kind of pushes and drives all of this. He was the one that wanted to have the party. He was the one that wanted to have the booze. He was the one that wanted to have girls over. And so he just keeps kind of poking that bear until Kevin's finally like, fine, whatever. Just like invite, like who knows girls? Who knows a girl? Call a girl and invite them over. So then we have this very awkward scene of each guy on the phone with like a girl they know trying to get them to come over yeah eventually they get some takers mm-hmm. and some girls come over um but then those girls tell friends and then their friends tell their siblings and then their those siblings tell more people right
0: and so we get a montage of Kevin opening the door over and over again i love how like At one point, there's just two jocks standing there and one of them just produces a basketball and starts spinning it on his finger, like just to sort of demonstrate, like this is what I bring to the table.
1: Well, the jocks have arrived and that happened in the Family Matters party too. Like that's when your party has hit cool critical mass is when the jocks arrive.
0: This is very much that exponential curve of the four friends led to 16 friends and now we're off to the And now this is
1: no longer a, a fun little sophomores Party, nice and innocent, nothing going on. This is now a full on rager, multiple high schools, the whole town, everybody, the word has gone out. Right.
0: And unlike the previous two shows, alcohol exists in this world.
1: Alcohol exists. So
0: we get a scene very reminiscent of our scene with Arvid buying the condoms in the pharmacy. We get another one of these scenes where if you're embarrassed to buy something or if it's illegal to buy something, you have to buy 17 other things and then that thing and then you'll be off scot-free. And it'll be totally fine. It never works.
1: By the way, that scene starring another memorable clerk character, uh, Mr. Traeger, the landlord from Friends,
0: was the clerk. The old guy from Friends. (laughs) And he doesn't believe them. No, no,
1: absolutely not. The fake ID is not. He's not buying it. He basically says, "Get out of here," and uh, and so off they go um, out into the parking lot where we get another famous cameo. There's a really cool, like 1970s pink, you know, from uh, dazed and confused looking dude leaning against a car. They end up striking up a conversation. About, um, you know, something about like, oh, these guys have beer. We should get it from them or see if they can buy it for us or whatever. And the dude that's leaning up against the car is Andrew Shue from Melrose Place. Famous brother of Elizabeth Shue.
0: I know who she is. Yeah, he was a model
1: and uh, an actor in the 90s. So definitely one of the heartthrobs I had on my wall back in the day. But so he's leaning against the car and he's like, yeah, well, you know, whatever. We're going to this rager just um, just up the street.
0: Yeah, some guy named Arnold.
1: Some guy named Kevin. And he's like, what? Kevin yeah. is freaking out because he has been running around trying to clean up and trying to get people out of the house. Like, he was doing the eddy. Thing he was not happy about this party from the start, like never was okay with it. He
0: is now outside of the party, seeing how the word of it has spread, and he's now hearing about the party at his very house by some random, uh, some random guy who looks like
1: he's in college and who is heading to his house with a keg, Um, and so yeah.
0: This party doesn't get interrupted. this one plays out the yeah parents no don't parents come home parents early. don't come home. Uh, he
1: is cleaning. he says the the voiceover says the last person left at six a m yeah and he spent the next three hours trying to make a dent and so we're to assume it's nine a m right.
0: Wayne comes home the next morning. The place is rushed yeah. uh it's truly now you know Wonder years a proper uh, single camera show unlike the sitcom sets uh, of the other ones. So this one really gives you that sort of visceral experience of like the whole house just being annihilated. Yeah. Um, and
1: It's you, not just popcorn all over the floor. Like it, <laughs> like it was in Family Matters. I mean, there's broken things. There's beer bottles everywhere. Yeah, there's cigarettes. Cigarettes. It's, yeah, it's trash. It's uh, rightly trash.
0: Yeah. So Wayne, Comes home and in typical sadistic older brother fashion is delighted by how completely screwed his brother is and is just like, I can't wait till they come home. Uh, You know, this is just going to this is going to be fun to watch. Because
1: uh, he is the loser brother that is always getting in trouble. Yeah, he's exactly. the one that the you know the dad doesn't have any hopes for. He's like, man, if that you know if he can just graduate from right. high school. He has a
0: catchphrase that is established early in the episode. He says, "It'll never happen again." When his dad yells at at him for something, yeah, and he says that one or two other times, and so we're supposed to take it. Okay, Wayne gets in trouble all the time. He says this meaningless platitude, "It'll never happen again." Nobody takes him seriously. Uh and so yeah, he's delighting in the fact that Kevin is gonna get in trouble for once, and it's basically the worst thing that either of them has ever done. Ever done. And I have to say, the parents come home early. Yeah, they come home early. The Kevin and, and Wayne happen to be outside mm-hmm. when they come home, they have a little talk in the in the driveway. I was genuinely nervous when the when the dad <laughs> when they you know, pulled in and it was they, like when they walk in the house, like Kevin stays outside, and we stay with Kevin as the parents walk in, so we know like we're we're standing out with Kevin as they're going in and discovering that, and you just really feel it like, oh God, how are they gonna?" React to this.
1: Yeah. Well, and so also before the parents get there, Kevin has been cleaning for three hours, hasn't made any headway. The and Wayne comes home and Wayne is like, Well, you've got until basically three o'clock, basically. You know, so you have like these six next six hours or whatever to, to do as much as you can. And then the the parents come home early. But Wayne has said he's not helping. He's yeah. like, This is all on you, bro. I'm not I'm not helping.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Kevin and Wayne walk back into the house. The parents are shell-shocked but what we find out what somehow neither kevin nor wayne nor really we the audience considered was the parents assume uh wayne did it
1: right so there's this moment where they're both standing there wayne's got kind of a smirk on his face because he's ready for kevin to like just get laid into and kevin is like dad, I'm, you know, it, it got out of hand. I'm really sorry. He just starts to speak. He like doesn't even get a full sentence out. And his dad is like, Kevin, stay out of this. Yeah. And that's when we as the audience and the brothers first have that realization that they think it's Wayne. And so there's this moment of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, you know, okay, when is, when is like what's Wayne going to say? How's it going to? And then Wayne just is like, It'll never happen again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And totally
1: takes the fall, to which Kevin's face is just like, he's so flabbergasted. <laughs> he just, huge eyes, looks over, and you see the internal struggle. Like, uh, for all of the, you know, issues Fred Savage is having now in his later years, that moment in that scene, he had some really, you saw the struggle play across his face. Like, he did not want To let his brother take the fall, he felt really bad. He didn't know what he could say. He tried to speak up again, and his dad told him to shut up.
0: See, here, this is where I feel like... uh,
1: Or he didn't try to speak up again?
0: The way I remember it going down was he makes one attempt. He goes, Dad, you know, like he's about to say, I did this, not Wayne. The dad says, Kevin, you stay out of this. Goes on yelling at the brother. And you kind of get the impression that Kevin is like, well, I tried What else could I do? Uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking like, no, what you do is look, maybe you can't get a word in edgewise at this very moment. Now then take, you know, a few minutes and and you go oh hey hey dad can can I talk to you for a second I need to tell you something it was actually uh, me that threw the party or maybe you you agree to take the fall together
1: yeah um no but it just it ended up what the way it ended up is is that Wayne was. is so used to getting in trouble that this was like not a big thing. It was, he was not going to get punished any harsher than he was already punished and he doesn't pay attention to those punishments anyway. So, and it was almost sort of this weird thing of like when he said it will never happen again, it was like the first time he ever meant it because it it would never happen again. It's never going to happen again because that Kevin's not going to do that again.
0: Well, that's true. But I also took it as like, In a weird way, the same thing that makes Wayne such a, uh, you know, horrible nuisance in his life was an asset here, which is that he just he doesn't think things through that much. He doesn't like really ruminate on these things. He just sort of like shrugs it off and says it'll never happen again and moves on. And so that MO sort of helped diffuse this whole situation, uh, whereas Kevin wouldn't be able to do that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I would take that even a step further in that it's not just that this is his whole MO. Like he definitely has had a very different childhood Mm -hmm. than Kevin. And by the way, so did the older sister like we follow through the wonder years Kevin's journey which is a very different journey than sure. the the parenting that his older brother and older sister received the contentious relationship between the sister and the parents and Wayne and the parents is not played out because basically by the time they got to Kevin they were tired the the cultural shifts that were happening in the 60s really made for a, a challenging dynamic between parents and kids. And it reminds me so much of our generation and how many of our parents got brainwashed by Fox News. And it's caused this like this rift between parents and kids in a way because of the changing culture and yeah so i just when i think about wayne and i think about all the ways we were supposed to see him through kevin's eyes being gross being a pain in the ass being a loser maybe none of that's true maybe he just had a shitty relationship with his dad and he was kind of fucked up from it and so his whole thing of like this is your, you know, it's never going to happen again. He was going to take the fall because he recognized that his brother didn't have that relationship with his parents. And his brother was still in this happy little childhood bubble. And that's a good thing. So I got I wa- I got all those layers out of that.
0: <laughs> I think everything you're saying is true, but there's also just that element. I, I think the the generous way to say it is that maybe it's an impressionistic sort of portrayal of that stuff where the older brother is a total dickhead because that's how he remembers him but uh the character of kevin arnold is just is a total cipher like he's just portrayed as this sort of generic nice he's just kind of intimidated by the world he's going through all these rites of passage and You've got Daniel Stern going like, oh, life is hard. I remember when I had to go to high school for the first time. I remember my first date, you know, and it's all at that, pitched at that tone. And then, yeah, the brother is just portrayed as this total asshole at every step and then the older sister i think is where they do all of that 60s counterculture stuff yes, right because she's did. the she's older so mm-hmm. she's the one that you know oh we're going right. birth thing. control pill yes, all that all stuff that. burning mm-hmm. your bra that's that's what they're going to do with her so i think there's just a little bit of a sort of like one note kind of uh you know, aspect to the way they characterize them.
1: To me, the big takeaway from this storyline was that Kevin realized that his impression of his brother was wrong. Then he's realizing that his brother has some value and that they're, and so he went, he goes, like the, the payback for it is that he goes and he washes and waxes his car um, yeah. as a thank you.
0: Yeah, So uh, we're still in the old timey days in the 70s, but now we're at that 70s show
1: is the first season of that 70s show 1976 um, I feel like I remember them doing something that was the bicentennial year so I feel like I remember them doing something about that this is also same time frame 19, or, uh, 1976 Dazed and Confused so like
0: yeah, this, this very is, much feels like Dazed and Confused yeah, the TV show yeah
1: absolutely and this is season one of it so they were leaning heavy into that this is um, you know Eric and Donna still are kind of not really officially a thing but sort of officially a thing thing and there's like you know there's all that but this is the only one of our four shows where the party was desired
0: yeah this (laughs) is a little bit of a break from the pattern this is not a house party well and
1: it's also not a party when the parents aren't at home right they try to find a house where there are no parents to throw a party
0: right and they have one
1: Yes, because Jackie's mom is a realtor and is showing a house in the neighborhood, and that house is Jackie and Kelso's secret makeout spot that Kelso spills to everybody, so they get to go and have the party there. And the reason they want to have this party is because they found a keg in the middle of the road.
0: Right. Okay. (laughs) Topher Grace... Eric wants to prove that he's not such a goody-goody, so he cuts class, right? Right.
1: And he's trying to be cool for Donna, because this is still back in the day where there was like, will Donna choose Eric or will Donna choose Hyde?
0: Uh, yeah. So so they go on this little sort of joy ride, uh, you know, cutting school, and they find this mysterious keg. So just tone-wise now, we've gone from not acknowledging the existence of alcohol to having alcohol be, you know, sort of part of the storyline to now it's all about uh like that it's the whole reason for the story existing.
1: Right. And I just want to point out that I thought that this pattern was really interesting in all of the throwback shows. So in all of the shows where ostensibly in the modern age the characters that were watching would be grown ups, they get to drink. And in the shows that were set in the modern time with kids who are modern kids not acknowledged.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's so weird. But to so me, it's just... grown-up parents, when they were young, got to drink, and we're okay to talk about it in throwback way. But current kids, they don't do that.
0: It's, it's just hard to say because that correlation is true, but it's also uh, those first two shows were for... A younger audience, a family audience.
1: No, totally fair. Uh,
0: The the that '70s show studio audience is raucous as hell. It's like (laughs) Married with Children. I didn't realize it was one of those shows. Didn't even notice. Oh yeah, definitely. It's one of those shows. Where, like any sort of slightly ribald thing that one of the characters says, it's not just that the audience laughs, they're like cat calling and hooting and hollering and stuff. <laughs> uh, they're
1: definitely like an early fox studio audience yeah, you just you
0: get that vibe that this it's it's just a whole different tone.
1: So they find a keg in the middle of the road and then they're like, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to drink it, duh, so we should have a party. Where are we going to have this party? Eric spills, the, uh, sorry, Kelso spills the beans about this vacant house. They go drop in uh, and they have the keg in the pool. They're going to have this right. party in the empty pool.
0: Right, the pool with no water so everybody has to sort of hop down from this little ladder thing.
1: Right, because uh, they're partying in the deep end, not in the, and And this is so in case Jackie's mom shows the house, they won't be seen in the backyard.
0: Right. And... It sort of follows the same uh, sort of escalation in terms of like more and more people finding out and dropping in, right? Not necessarily. Well, they as were much. happy
1: about that, right? Cuz their their whole thing was that they wanted to raise money. They too did the 2 dollars ahead.
0: Interesting.
1: Um and they were they were going to they were like, "Wait, how much do kegs go for?" Kegs go for this much and And Kelso had some, like, it was a Kelso hide scene at the beginning. Kelso, who normally can't, you know, is the dumb one, Mm -hmm. does this math in, like, a hot second. And is like, we'll make $250.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So they have everybody over, but they forget about one thing.
1: That a keg cannot be drunk from unless there is a tap. Yeah. So... They go on the epic journey to try to find the tap, but my favorite part of this episode comes. So they go to the grocery store, the, the liquor store to to get a tap, and so we forgot about the thing at the beginning, which is teeing this up. So the opening scene at the beginning in the study hall is, oh, that's break it and give back. The two bullies in the school who were on some. Football team or right. basketball team or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're like, break it and give back. Why do they call them that? And then the guy picks up Eric's pencil, breaks it in half, and gives it back to him. And is like, I gave it back to you,
0: yeah. That's and that's their
1: that's their thing. That's that sets up this later.
0: Right. And so who is it that goes to the liquor store? Kelso?
1: No, uh, Eric, because they goad him into it for once again, needing to look cool. He's got to use his gas money to go buy a tap. Right.
0: He thinks that he needs to be of drinking age to buy a tap. But the guy at the liquor store is telling him, I don't care how old you are. I don't need your ID. Here's the tap.
1: Just take the tap Um, and go. Have a good night.
0: Yeah. They get their tap. It's immediately broken.
1: Oh, right. That's right. Kelso is there, though, because Kelso was trying to do that. I'm 25. So he was.
0: Yeah,
1: completely unnecessary.
0: (laughs) So break it and give it back. Break it and give it back. Uh, so they don't have their their they tap have a anymore, tap. but they decide that uh, Eric's dad, right? So to- <laughs> so funny. Topher Grace's dad, who's Clarence Boddicker from RoboCop,
1: Red uh, Foreman, Kurtwood Smith.
0: Yes, amazing character actor. Uh, Very love funny. that guy. So they describe him as a cocktail dad, which the
1: way they describe him though is he's got swizzle sticks. He's got. Fake lemons that hold real lemon juice. He's a cocktail dad. Yeah,
0: which I loved that concept. I was like, I, I'm not a dad uh, and I don't really drink, but I would love to be thought of that way as, as a cocktail, a cocktail dad. dad.
1: So, what I took away from this, and this also goes to like my darker take on the whole parenting issue of like the men, the fathers, and their relationship with their children from this 70s era, is that Red. And the dad in um Wonder Years are kind of abusive or neglectful parents. And in this case, they're describing Red as a drunk dad. I don't know. He's about not that. just a cocktail dad, he's a drunk. I don't, that's not my just darker does those things no, it's my darker take. It goes along with the whole like we'd rather thump them than talk to them, kind of a mentality on raising children, yeah,
0: no I mean his whole thing is obviously being super surly, mm-hmm. uh that's his you know even even more so than the Wonder Year's dad. he's just you know hostile uh but and it's just
1: Eric's problems with living life all stem from that sort of weird relationship with his father i
0: think it's a combination of the very real phenomenon of, like we said, what what a lot of uh fathers were like at that time. And uh just the the sitcom stylings of that's what you do. Right. you have this people. Is, you have constantly... the grumpy dad,
1: exactly. So they go, they steal, or Eric steals his dad's tap. He's able to get away with it because the parents had been having a uh a fun night for themselves yeah. where it was um Donna's parents and Eric's parents, and they were going to watch Rich Man, Poor Man, which yeah, is some I don't know what that show is. from the 70s.
0: One of the moms is explaining to the rest of the parents something that the kids said to her. And that clues off the dads to be like, oh, you're an idiot. That means that are drinking. Well, this is before.
1: This is before the tap stealing happens. Okay. When they decided, because they normally hang out in the basement, but they weren't hanging out in the basement that night. Right. Because the kids were making a volcano. Okay. And we know that, which was their excuse when Kitty came downstairs and Hyde had two bags of ice and Eric had the tub and they were hiding the keg behind some curtain in the basement. Mm-hmm. And so they were like yeah we're making a we're making uh we're making a volcano mom and she was like oh you kids have fun and off they go and so then she recounts to them that they had the tub and they had this ice and they were making a volcano and then donna's mom says yeah that's why donna needed all the plastic cups because they were making a class plastic cup volcano with ice
0: all right so the dads realize, okay, obviously, if the kids have a bunch of ice and plastic cups, they're throwing a keg party, so they just straight up like take to take the road, to the streets to yeah. try to
1: find their kids. Yeah,
0: they get in the car and start hunting them down, and so yeah, we've got the party growing and and growing because now they they have. The tap they have everything they need they're in full swing, right
1: yep, they're in full swing, they're in the pool, they're mm-hmm. in the deep end. they've got the new tap. it's going to be great. Eric comes back to the to the house in the meanwhile he's been gone the uh Jackie's mom has shown the house and they came outside and they saw all the children in the deep end of the pool. Um, And she was like, that is um," uh, she was like, so the kids don't normally come with the house. Also Jan Brady playing. Oh, really playing uh, Jackie's mom.
0: I did not know totally
1: that. random, so that happens, and then the next time we come back, we see um Red and Donna's dad, and they have found out from the same clerk where they Kelso went to get the first tap, yes that there is a party at a vacant house down the street, so a similar scene to the one that Kevin. In the Wonder Years, the liquor store
0: is the sort of hub of information where you find out where the parties are. Where the
1: parties are, exactly. And so they find out from some kid at the liquor store that the party is at the vacant house on this street. And so then they go there. So now Eric comes back. He feels like he's been totally badass. And grabs onto the garden hose, leans straight back in a wonderful pose and rappels down into the deep end. Right. Does not look into the pool at pool at all. Does not look into the pool at all. Holding the tap up high, saying, I have done it. I stole my dad's tap. Only to land in the bottom of the pool and see his dad and two cops and Donna's dad.
0: Right and they've the been cake. they've been busted from multiple angles, yes. right, basically both of the, their various parents all of the parents yeah have, have found all out. found out about them, so
1: the party's broken up, everybody was gone. It was just Donna and um and Eric and their parents, plus the cops left when Eric comes back, and uh we see the different parenting styles, like Donna's not gonna get in trouble at all, go on home, Eric, you know he's gonna get thumped and they need to take the car take the vista cruiser which is eric's car and uh take down a home and you know i'll see you at home and then the two dads and the two cops stay and drink the beer
0: yeah. So this seemed like the most sort of disposable in terms of like, like morally, <laughs> this this really did not have anything to say about anything. This was just kind of like, oh, I remember the time we found a beer keg. That's so how we a found party. a keg
1: and threw a party and then we got caught.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it is very much in that style or in that tradition of Dazed and Confused where it's just kind of like, hey, the 70s were wild times. Here's, you know, here's a little taste of what it was like. So yeah, so what do we think looking back on these four? Any takeaways in terms of uh, throwing a party when your parents are out of town? Should you do it? Shouldn't you? Um, <laughs>
1: forgot to tell my story. I forgot to tell the other story. Oh, this
0: is a perfect. Uh, That's okay. right.
1: So, so the other party, one of the other times that my parents went out of town when I and I stayed home and threw a party, someone showed up just like what happened at Kevin's. Party. I had become smarter at throwing parties after getting caught the previous time or times and was fully prepared with signs on the sliding glass door. Don't like don't walk into the sliding glass door because it's glass and little ashtrays, extra ashtrays everywhere on the porch and um, lights in the backyard. So if people wanted to smoke, they would go in the backyard and not be on the porch and all of this stuff while somebody shows up with a keg. And the word had gotten out through, and this was before cell phones because I'm old as well, and this word had gotten out around town that the rager was happening at Amy's house, and somebody rolled a keg into my backyard through the fence, and we had a party, and the cops came because somebody in the neighborhood called the cops because all the cars were parked and lining the streets. Yes, and pretty, I can
0: imagine your party was pretty loud.
1: It was very wild. Um it was kids from multiple high schools all over. So I had that experience of like you are planning to have that party that's just going to be like your 20 friends and then it's the entire town, all kids. And there were 100%, so at that time I think I was I was a freshman in college. Um, and so we knew we had friends who had fake IDs and we had, you know, we had friends who were over twenty-one and all of that, but there were definitely high school kids at that party. And that was the thing that like I think back on now and I'm like, oh man, but the party getting out of control, it absolutely happens. The word gets around town, like people were getting paged. That was when people had beepers. Mm-hmm. People were getting paged with like the numbers of my address to just sure. show up. It was a wild night and it took me a very long time to clean up.
0: And did did you get busted for that one?
1: Um, Yes but not in the Like at that point my parents had just assumed I was going to throw a party Because I had gotten in trouble times Before but yeah the cops were called Everybody kind of ran away the cops didn't even come In the house they just like rolled down the street And whooped their sirens so that It would break it up Sure. Um, And yeah and then we turned down the music And people came back and it wasn't as As raucous as it had been earlier But it was it went all night it was A very long it was a very long day The next day cleaning up and uh yeah so the takeaway I, mean, I don't know i mean the thing that i've been pondering so much is just about the parenting styles it's about the the two shows of the dads in the 70s i found that just so you know cuz the other two like you're saying they're silly um they're meant for kids they're silly they don't have anything like a real life party <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean so the the last two the wonder years and the and that 70s show rang even though they were set in an earlier era definitely rang true to like my teenage years and i found that fascinating that there was just zero communication between parents and kids about lessons to be learned
0: yeah the family matters and saved by the bell are both just sort of propaganda for like parents and kids respectively. Right. Right. One is saying always listen to your parents. One is saying always try to outsmart your parents. (laughs) Uh, And um, yeah, just quality wise, obviously they both sort of are what they are. The wonder years. It just, I mean, it just runs circles around all these other shows in terms of just how, how good it is. And again, because it's a single camera show just by its nature, When it was depicting this, you know, just depicting what it would be like to come back to your own house and see cars parked all the way down the street and people passed out in the yard and everything, it was so effective. Yeah, but
1: that's what Wonder Years was always good at. Like, what I remember from Wonder Years back in the day watching it was that you were almost always about to cry at the end of every episode. Like, they were, it was always pulling at your heartstrings in one way or another. And so, and this episode in particular, because you felt so grossed out by Wayne at the beginning. And then you felt so stressed out like Kevin all through the whole thing of it. And then shocked at the way that things turned out in the end, that it was just like, he's not heavy. He's my brother. And you're like, Oh,
0: yeah. oh. well, that's the thing. And so that's, yeah, it's like, ultimately the party is not really at the heart of what that show is trying to say it's sort of neither here nor there yeah but it's still just sort of uh the clear mvp to me of these shows in terms of just still capturing an experience of being young right and uh the fact that at some there's there's going to be times where you get in trouble right there's going to be times Mm -hmm. where you do something wrong there are consequences that you can't hide or you can't uh, avoid. And, you know, when you have siblings, what does that mean? And how do you deal with that? And so, yeah, kind of by a wide margin, the Wonder Years episode is the, the best of these.
1: Yes, absolutely. But I think that part of that is exactly what you're saying. It's a different type of sitcom. It's not the normal multi-camera, very bright color sort of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's different.
0: So that does it for the party when the parents aren't home. What are we going to be discussing next time?
1: So next week, we're teeing it up with a classic trope uh delivering a baby in a confined wacky situation, mostly elevators, elevators I think. Your elevators. Your elevator cars. babies, your cars, yep. So the ones we're gonna watch this week, starting with the oldest, we have Night Court, season seven, episode twenty-four, the blues of the birth. And then we're gonna move on to Doogie Hauser, season two, episode four, say la Vinny. Fast forwarding a few more years, six years to Home Improvement, Season 6, Episode 9, The Toolman Delivers, and we will wrap it up with Community. Season 2, Episode 21, Applied Anthropology and Culinary Arts, Babies Delivered in non-hospital, wacky situations.
0: That's right. Uh, So that's next time. And uh, until then, I will declare this phase of the sitcom study concluded. Thank you for listening to the sitcom study. Tell us what you think or share your own TV tropes and topic ideas by sending a self-addressed stamped email to sitcomstudypodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you like the show, consider leaving a rating or review on your podcast app. It helps us boost those precious Nielsen ratings. The sitcom study is recorded in front of a live studio dog.